Holding. Unleash hell. Now? Now. Hello, and welcome to Four Color Nerds Comic Podcast, episode 83. I am Carissa, and I am Carissa this time, not Ryan. And I am joined by our other nerds, Christina. Hello. Ryan. Hello. And that's it. That's all you get. (laughs) Together, we take on this week's comics. Each week, we read a variety of comics and gather here to discuss them. This is a review show, so there will be spoilers. If you don't want to hear spoilers, take a break now, go read your week's books, and then come on back. Each week, one of us picks our favorite book, and that's our pick of the week. This week, I am that nerd. And this week, my pick goes to Saga number 45. Our companion song is Sweet Dreams by The Arrhythmics, because Alana is having what she thought was a dream of what her son would have been like and it's like this projection and I just thought this song really kind of hit on those notes and that kind of theme sure you know of it everyone knows the song so take a listen Sweet. It's bittersweet. Saga, number 45. Image Comics, written by Brian K. Vaughn. Art by Fiona Staples. So like I said, she thought she was dreaming and hallucinating seeing her little boy and he's like talking to her. She wakes up Marco and, and he sees it too. He knows what's happening and he figures it out. Apparently there's a really in-depth ritual spell that only really high-end magic users from his planet can do and that's what she's doing. It's like a projection foretelling of one of the types of future spells. Yeah, they use it for battle simulation. This projection ghost starts interacting with Hazel and they're getting along and they're hugging and it's incredibly adorable and sweet and like pulls on your heartstrings. Marco is trying to tell her to stop because that particular spell takes a toll on the users, usually resulting in a cardiac arrest. There's kind of a neat little double play there because he says it's hard on the heart and yeah. she's watching them play and she's like, tell me about it because I don't I don't think she understands. At first he means heart yeah. attack. Yeah. It's really hard for her because, you know, she's lost a child and she, now she's seen that child. So it's really fucking with her. So they're dealing with that. And then we go back to the ship and we see, and I can never remember her name. The trans soldier. I always forget her name. I feel so bad. It's not common. So it really doesn't stick in there. She was reading a, one of those trashy novels and they like, they come out here before we get those weird centaur people that look gross. The centaur hillbillies. <laughs> so she goes out there and her hands are up. That panel where she's like, I mean no harm. And she clearly has her hand with her sword behind her back. I was like, yes. She blasts the son. He only got kind of jolted. He's like not really harmed. The father of the bounty hunter guys, he hits her with like this weird tentacle thing. And I guess she's like, ew, gross. <laughs> They're looking for money. Clearly not really her. There's like, where's the people you're with? You're not alone. We know the guy you're with must have money and she's like look he knocked me up and then they wouldn't help us so he took off i haven't seen him we're gonna go to the badlands and kind of telling them the truth but mixed in a lie so you know which are the best types of lies (laughs) they're like well good thing you didn't go there that place is run by monsters and the wife hillbilly bounty hunter centaur person's like literally monsters so that's not good cut back to alana marco and hazel and project he's named after the little raccoon guy are making their way to said badlands because they heard a rumor that they could get help 
out there and not knowing that apparently it's run by monsters are heading that way and they're enjoying their family time and she's keeping it going she's like well I don't want to take this away yet and as she's doing that she falls clearly giving into that arrest that Marco mentioned before he was saying how he can't help her and they're out in the middle of nowhere they're like in this grassy knoll he's like I'm too powerful if I did it it's like full on lightning bolt that's overkill literally right because they need to restart her heart so he convinces Hazel he tries to teach her the spell and tells her what it draws on and that she will have just enough and it won't hurt mommy it will give her just what we need she does it and Alana wakes up when she did fall the vision did fade and as they come to they look up to see and this is probably one of the reasons why it's my pick it's like a werewolf like monster with a bunch of teats and bloody hands it's like yes you're in good hands now very kind of sinister the way it's standing too is kind of yeah. weird it's body language is fucked up it wasn't a welcoming greeting <laughs> It's not like a just a wolf standing on its two legs. It looks almost very eerily human. Something's unnerving about it. Yeah. I was looking at that picture trying to figure out what it is, and the angle of the body keeps going in different directions. Like, the legs go one way, then mm-hmm. the torso goes another, then the head goes another, so it, it looks unnatural. Let's say, like, zombie-ish. Yes. Yes. They're clearly not really in good hands. <laughs> so maybe those hilly billy bounty hunters had some information that was actually useful. So yeah, what'd you guys think about it? My favorite part was the fart. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was so cute. She was so happy. I was like, that was so adorable. I really like this. I think catharsis is an important thing to have. And this book made me cry. So I think that it really played with the emotions in a powerful way and provoked exactly what it's trying to do out of as a reader and there were so many parts that were just fucking awesome like when that soldier lures them in closer while they're trying to hang her and she bites that lady's nose off oh yes that was so awesome yes that werewolf thing looks creepy and at first i thought the narration was hazel and i thought it was a little odd because it seemed a little callous for Mm -hmm. hazel but then you find out no that's not hazel that's giving the narration it's prince robot and when he shows up and starts blasting people to save people i thought that was kind of cool yeah he saves her by returning one of her trashy novels yeah <laughs> well, i like it because he blows their hand off and then he does a thing where you shoot the rope so the person who's hanging doesn't actually hang yeah that was pretty cool felt like a lot like a western there they're at a very western planet fiona staples art is amazing there's a part here where the hologram projection thing is hugging hazel and because it's a like an illusion it can pass through here so their heads have kind of like merged together so it's like yeah. one head with a face on either side yes and i thought that was a great image it looks weird until you realize what's actually happening and then it's like they're almost like two sides of the same coin Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was good. One other reason why it's my pick of the week is it just tugged on all the feels. It just had a lot of really interesting points. There was really cute parts, really touching parts, and just creepy parts. And this Fiona Staples artwork is just on point, which I'm never surprised that it is. It's always good. Everything is good. Yes. I mean, there's no... Or great. I mean, it's not just good. It's great. I really liked it. I really felt bad for Alana in the position she was in. If I end this projection, I'm killing him, sort of. I'm taking mm-hmm. it away from Hazel. And she literally can't do it like she has a heart attack before she'll do it so i think that's nice to introduce that even though they're going to have i mean it's not an abortion but they're going to abortion town that she's going to have this uh-huh. dead fetus taken out of her if that child was still alive she would fight to the death for it but it's not so the situation is different so i thought it was a complex situation that she's in and it really rips your heart out too 
Ready to rate it up? I'm going to give it five nose bites. Brutal. That was just brutal. I'll give it four and a half hell bitches. I will give it four and a half tentacle hugs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have BPRD, the devil you know, issue number one, Dark Horse Comics, written by Mike Mignola and Scott Alley, pencils and inks by Lawrence Campbell, colors by Dave Stewart. So I'm an off and on reader of bprd i enjoy pretty much all the hellboy comics so i am a general casual reader so i think figured this was a good start to get back on it this is all the stuff cults exorcisms creepy fucking monsters this is all that is the hellboy universe bprds nazis nazis creepy ass shit it's helpful if you're not really familiar with this, the page that they have in here of the report of what's going on. So it gives you an explanation. There's some cult activity that's happening in this one town. This is where they're going to to check stuff out. The town looks like fucking demolished. The best thing that I thought about this was, to me, this was like exactly like Starship Troopers, but way better. It was like almost that exact scene. So do you remember the scene? If I'm sure everyone has probably seen Starship Troopers because it's an awesomely horrible movie. It's my favorite bad movie. I will watch it every fucking time where they go into the cave and they think they got everything and the fucking spine goes right through somebody. That was exactly what happened almost, but it was the freaking half of the monster and it came and stuck the guy right through the chest. It was exactly reminiscent of Starship Trooper with all the battle and gore and stuff like that. And it was fun. I enjoyed that a whole lot. That was from the same town that all this crazy shit, I guess there was a bunch of cult activity that they were investigating and they see all these eggs and that, that was the whole battle scene. It was, I thought it was a really, really well done battle scene. Then we have an exorcism that happens. She was an agent that was on the outs, but they sent her to do an exorcism. It doesn't sound like the exorcism went anywhere at all. I think the exorcism worked, but the demon was saying that even if you throw me out of this body, we're all going to rally behind another dark champion. Save that person onto the next, basically. <laughs> The best part, though, I think, is the very, very end of this, where we have the creepy doll-like looking child meets up with the Nazis. If you're in a horror movie, which is essentially what BPRD is, and you see a small yeah. child alone who's singing or maybe speaking <laughs> other language. And wearing a pinafore. Shoot it in the fucking head. <laughs> should be in the manual it should be every single time if you see that like anywhere just know it's bad it's all bad gleefully clapping and laughing and shit like that so there's a conversation between the two one of the nazis and then the severed head nazi floating head of a nazi <laughs> they're talking they're like what the hell who is this child and she shows them like, all of these people she says i want to introduce you to these others she's like they followed me here and i'm assuming these are more cult followers that are following her so she She's like the cult leader. That's what I kind of got. Almost like a Pied Piper. Are they some of those cholera people that they mentioned in the beginning? Well, I think they're the missing people that they mentioned in the beginning of the story. For me, it was kind of hard to follow along with. There was a lot of stuff going on here. But the best part was when we get to the very, very end and see, of course, the best trope of horror is the creepy freaking child. I think this was really good because BPRD for a while was on this multi-year arc of the apocalypse, mm -hmm. which could get really, not exactly confusing, but you kind of had to follow along with it. And here, this is kind of after that. So I feel like this is a really good jumping on point for BPRD. And that's kind of why I picked it because I, I think that I would like to get back onto what's going on in this world because I kind of miss it. So I enjoyed it. Parts of it were interesting before that, but yeah, definitely the part that wins me over is gas mask not 
Nazi and head in jar Nazi with little girl. I was like, <laughs> yeah, this is the best part. It ended strong. I felt like it was like, okay, here's all this other stuff I have to read. And then you get to the good part. I liked that part, but I thought the best part of the book was where it took you to the human aspect of these BPRD agents where you have the guy who's dying there and the other soldier is trying to comfort him because there's nothing they can do to save him. But he's telling him, you're a hero. Do you remember when we were back in that one town and there was that little child that was hiding and you went and comforted her? She'll never forget who you are. I'll never forget who you are. You lived and died a hero. That was like a good death scene, like an honorable death scene. Exactly. You fought the good fight. You can die your honorable death. We will always remember you. You're a hero. This story takes place in like four or five different cities as you're jumping around. And it mm-hmm. has a global spanning thing. But you need to take it back down to the personal so that things have more of an impact. I think they did that really well. Yes. I will go ahead and rate this. I did enjoy it. I'm going to give it three and three quarters floating Nazi heads and jars. <laughs> I gave it three and a half. And why are two fine German gentlemen wandering these highways? Because that's how little girls talk. Of course. I thought it was a slightly better than average BPRD book. So I will give it three and a half. Let the human torch solve it herself. So I'm going to take us over to Marvel for Secret Empire number seven from Marvel Comics. This is written by Nick Spencer, art by Andrea Sorrentino, additional art by Rod Reese, Joshua Cassara, and Rachel Rosenberg. There's a lot of additional artists because every time they switch sort of scenes of where they're at, a different artist takes it up. That's supposed to help you understand what's going on here. So this issue really has a lot to do about destiny and are you fated to do what prophecies say you're going to do or can you change your fate? I'm a big Carol Danvers fan. I love Captain Marvel. And there's a pretty cool scene in the beginning in space like we haven't seen what's going on in space very often and this is kind of a cool thing where you get a status report where everything's going to shit and they're running out of supplies and they can't repair the thing fast enough and america chavez she can punch through dimensions and she's saying i can get everyone out of here i can take you to any reality you want to go to we can go to a reality where it's all just musicals we can go anywhere so she's been punching her way through reality and bringing back supplies that way and carol gives this what i think is a pretty awesome speech where she tells them we're not abandoning our post i'm captain marvel i swore an oath and i will not leave this ship she's a captain that was the captain's speech that was a really good speech and then there's a really great scene where she's talking to quasar who was injured in the first chitari attack and she's kind of reflecting how a lot of this is her fault that she and tony got played i like that scene that their own arrogance and faults were used perfectly by captain america to manipulate them into the situation and she's actually the one that built the shield that's going to probably end up killing them all. So she feels like a lot of guilt. And there's that great scene where she's telling her all this. She's like, I need you to wake up. Because Quasar is one of the most powerful characters in the Marvel Universe. So if she comes back, she might be able to turn the tide. But she's in a coma, which seems to happen a lot in Secret Empire. It switches then. You get back to the Red Skull calls it hell. Matt seems to think it's like a cosmic cube dimension, which I kind of agree with Matt, where he's torturing the shit out of Steve with like this flaming baseball bat wrapped in... (laughs) barbed wire his goal is to kill him and free him the red skull has killed other people here and is probably a cannibal as we can guess from the last issue but steve has that kind Mm -hmm. of like last moment where he fights back against him and they fight at the edge of a cliff and both go tumbling off the edge into some water it's not clear to me if they both actually die or not in that scene if that's how they're going to come back or not but that's what's going on there he felt like the white woman the glowing look kind of look like sharon Right, he says, which is hope. That was the last thing they saw before 
before they went over. So then you have Steve back in reality after the heroes used that nuke on that base that they were in. They killed most of the Hydra High Command and Steve is giving this speech on the steps of the ruined capital which if you remember from Secrets Wars number two where they had the vision where Miles Morales is going to kill Captain America. This is the exact scene where that's going to happen. Before when they met on the steps of the Capitol it wasn't fucked up so that like wasn't the time it was supposed to happen. But this is so this is when it's supposed to happen. And you've got Black Widow and her team there getting ready to launch their attack. And it's actually pretty damn cool the plan that they have worked out. So you find out that that old guy that they said is going to win the war for them is actually a character who we read one of his comics. It's Mosaic. So he's a inhuman. It wasn't very good but he's pretty fucking awesome in this one. So he's kind of like if you remember that old Denzel Washington movie Fallen where the demon can possess people and move through them. That's basically what Mosaic can do. He was trapped by them in that old man body. That's the trap that they made for him is they had him jump into that body and then he couldn't leave and now widow his freedom from that. So he's jumping through the crowd and working his way through the Hydra agents. You get this panel where you see the Hydra agents shooting other Hydra agents in the head and pulling the pins on their own grenades to blow up the high command. And widow is saying while all this is going on, there's these captured congressmen and the champions are supposed to go there and rescue them because Captain America is going to use them to show that America is with me and their families are being held hostage and all that stuff. And she says the whole team's in in place, but Spider-Man's like, wait, I'm not in place. And they're on the ship and they're kind of having this argument where he's saying he just wants to get it over with, that everyone is looking at him like he's a killer. So maybe that's what he really is. And Widow says, I know what it's like to be seen only as a killer. And she uses this kind of ploy, which I thought was kind of cute, where she has him go into the back of the ship to go get something. And then she drops down the containment unit and locks him in place so that he can't interact with Captain America in here because she says, when I look at you, I don't see a killer. So then she goes on her mission to go and she's going to be the one who assassinates Captain America. So she's making her way through in these pretty cool panels where you get these little red boxes of action of her flipping and shooting people in the face. And then she comes across the Punisher and you get this pretty badass fight scene between the Punisher and Black Widow. It's neat the way they do it. They break it up into like, I don't even know how many panels it is, but it's a two-page spread, probably with about 40 different panels on there. It's, it's one image broken up into all these different panels where you can concentrate on the action that's happening. That was really cool. That was really well done. Yeah, it was really nice. So you get where they're actually physically interacting with each other, like where they're fighting. You'll get kind of like a close-up like red panel of people like grabbing wrists and putting them in locks and punching people and stuff like that. And you find out why the Punisher is working with Captain America, that he's going to give the Punisher an army to go cleanse the earth of all these criminals. And he also says he's going to use the Cosmic Cube to bring, he says those they lost, so his family. He's going to use the Cosmic Cube to bring his family back. And the Widow tells him, you of all people, Frank, should know you can never get back that which you've lost. And then she has this awesome scene where she throws these blades through his legs and kind of cripples him and goes on. And she's got this sniper rifle and she's going to take down Captain America. But she sees that Spider-Man has broken out of a truck. It's actually kind of cool. He's like, I don't know how to get out of here, but I know I must have gotten out because the vision shows me having gotten out. So whatever I do is going to be the right thing. So he sets this fire because that's how people get out of prisons in his mind. In movies, I think he says. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It doesn't actually open the door for him it's like filling up with smoke and there's fire and it's asking him for a password to shut it off and he's like well i don't know what the password is but that's when he's like well whatever i say is going to be right and they don't show you what the password is but then he's out of the truck so yeah. obviously yeah. whatever he said he guessed right it's probably open sesame black widow's a babe <laughs> yes something like that <laughs> 
And then you get this really cool scene where Captain America and Spider-Man are kind of staring each other down. And Captain America says something along the lines of like, we both know how this is going to end, son. Let's see what you're made of. And they go to have their superhero throwdown. But Black Widow comes running in to stop them because she doesn't want Miles Morales to end up being a killer. And there's this great scene where Captain America is fighting her and he hits her in the side of the neck with his shield. And like that weird x-ray vision circle. Oh, it's bad. Oh, yes. And you get the big crack as it shatters her neck and she falls to the ground. Yeah. And you can kind of see her eyes as she's falling and dying. It's a really good scene. Then there's that crane shot, of course, of her lying on the ground. Big panel of red where she's dead. And Captain America and Miles Morales are standing on either side. And you get all the reaction shots of the champions watching her die. And that's where Miles loses his shit and beats the living fuck out of Captain America. He smashes the shield. Oh, yeah. Which is amazing. Look at Cap's eyes in that panel where he breaks it. He's like, oh shit. He's like, oh. There's about four or five panels where it's just Miles' bloody fist just slamming down onto Captain America. And he's like, is this what you wanted? And then you get almost like a little Jiminy Cricket thing with the wasp who appears next to him and tells him, don't do this. You don't have to do what this vision said you were going to do. Natasha believed in you and she died she was willing to die to free you from your destiny so whatever you do next is going to determine who you are he's hovering him over that spiky piece of rock exactly and he's looking at it he says i know what i'm supposed to do and she basically tells him are you spider-man or are you a killer and he drops captain america and says i'm not a killer so that's where i feel like because he chose to make that decision that he's broken what's supposed to happen because even afterwards captain america is like i don't understand what's going on this wasn't what was supposed to happen and there's this cool scene where he's going to talk to sharon who i'm really liking sharon she has never given into the fascism she has never went along with steve even though she loves him and all of that she not only is willing to resist him here you see she takes she has a shiv of a wooden stake yeah it's a prison shiv she goes to stab steve in the neck and she actually you see the blade does go into his neck but he throws her across the room because he does have superpowers and she doesn't and that's when he calls the guards and has her dragged away you see the people back in arizona who are watching this and i don't know if hawkeye actually saw what happened or he just knows what happened to natasha but he starts screaming about nat when she dies and then you see all the heroes all standing around brokenhearted it's over they sent that team in some of their best got killed captain america is still alive they're at their lowest point here and this is where i really like what happens next is you get someone saying like it's over isn't it and then you see this boot stepping up on a rock and it says no it's not over yet that's where you hear we needed captain america and you see falcon cap standing there and he's got the original shield of captain america held up in the air it's a really awesome image because he has walked away from being Captain America. But here, in that moment of need, the Avengers do need Captain America to rally around, and he steps into that role. And it's a really awesome image of him holding up the shield and his birds flying overhead. I just really liked this issue. What'd you guys think of it? I thought it was really, really good. Even though I haven't been on it, just to go through the scenes of what happened with the image that they saw of the premonition, it was so amazing to see him just actually have that moment of clarity where it's like, no, this is not who I am. I would never do this. I am not a killer and just stop was pretty impressive. That was great writing. There was some really, really strong dialogue in this, especially with the Carol scene. It reminded me a lot of in those military movies where you see, you know, the captain making his final speech 
she's going to go down with the ship. Right. It was very much like that. Her military training, and that's just who she is. Like, her will, for good or bad, like, she is a stubborn son of a bitch sometimes. And that can lead to really bad things, but that's what makes her heroic, too, is she will not bend. What do you think of it, Carissa? There are some really innovative artwork done with the panels, I think, and there's things I haven't seen in a long time, and I thought they were just executed so well. Between the Punisher and Widow panel, where it's a multitude of panels and it makes up a bigger picture plus smaller pictures and then all those little like close-up things it was doing with the circles and then in high contrast to the rest of the panel so you could see the little details i love those those were so interesting and well executed and really flowed really well so i was really impressed by the artwork in this issue this one since it did incorporate miles's story in that point that we all have seen before i felt this issue was a lot more interesting than the last ones have been by far it just had a culmination to that point that actually made sense and was actually moving forward this one felt like it was on fire this got to the good stuff so this one actually made me quite pleased where i had been a little disappointed and lackluster with the other ones and just overwhelmed by all the stuff this is the payoff the panel of seeing her face falling down to the ground oh that was amazing and then seeing the reactions that was so well done so impactful and oh, i love them I really like this line because I think it keys in with the idea of Captain America being like a savior or a Moses. So I will give it four and a half, someone who could lead us out of the desert. I'm going to give it four and a quarter. We were never on the same side. Because, you know me, I love Frankie, even when he's being dumb. (laughs) I know, I saw that and I was like, oh, Chris is going to be so heartbroken that he's such an asshole. (laughs) And he was so played. I know. It makes sense for what he's lost and what his mission is. He is, but Captain America is so good at that, though, in this. Those qualities of leadership that he has, in order to lead people, you have to understand them. He's able to play on those weaknesses. Just like Captain Marvel was talking about in the beginning, how he played Tony and her. Did the same thing to the Punisher. I'm going to give it four and a quarter, not yet, with the shield held high. Alrighty, something not Marvel whatsoever. Redneck, number four, Image Comics, written by Donny Gates. Pencils and inks by Lysandra Esserden. Colors by D. Knief. I love your book. I just can't say your name. <laughs> That's par for the course for us. It wouldn't be right if we said the name's right. Exactly. So where we left off, the little vampire girl is in her uncle's mind. And she is going for a flashback. But she's gotten more than she was intending. So he takes her all the way back. So when we saw her on the back of the horse when he was riding away in the end of the last issue, it's not really her. That's just her in the memory. So she's actually not there. We're getting the origin of how Bartlett was created as a vampire. Find out that he was a deserter at the Alamo. He had no faith in the command. And he's like, I'm not going to die for this. And so he took off. (laughs) Which is funny because I like how they break down his memories while he's talking because she's looking through, but he also has a commentary to what she's seen. And he's like, well, it turns out I was right. It's a shitty thing to be right about. And he has this line about buzzards always circle around vampires waiting for them to die. I thought that was so fucking awesome. And But they usually end up falling from the sky. And he's like, so if you're ever being chased by vampires, look to the horizon. If you see buzzards, don't go that way. The vampires that were chasing him caught up with him and they were feeding on him. He's saved by one of the women vampires of this brood of vampires. 
They're like a actual family of vampires. Like they're all related by blood and blood. Meredith, she runs off some of the ones that were being a little bit too gruesome in their feeding. She's like, we need to make them last. It's going to be like their blood bag for a while. And Perry is getting kind of frustrated with the story because that's not what she was in his head to find out. She wanted to know more about JV or what happened the night that Slap got killed. And he's like, well, I'm getting there. You find out that a lot of the vampires that turned Bartlett were killed in a fight out, not because... People were hunting him down because of the Alamo desertion. Because of a horse he stole to desert the Alamo. And you end up finding out that there's this long-going feud between the Landrys, which were like Texas Rangers, and this vampire clan. And each generation, they have been coming after their family and they keep moving. And then there's like this sub part where Bartlett said, even though I was a vampire and they welcomed me into their home, I was never really family. And you see how like Meredith was always really kind to him. And JV would only stand up to grandfather when Meredith got in the way. He compares himself to like the family dog. Like he's part of the family, but he's not of the family. He ends up leaving because he also falls in love with Meredith and he doesn't want to overcomplicate it even more. So he like has his own time finding himself in his vampire ways and there's little scenes and He's like, oh, and then there was this one girl in Austin, but you're too young, so I'm not going to tell you about that to Perry. And anytime Perry tries to get to the memory that she wants, she gets the zap of pain. And she's saying it's really blocked off, and she keeps on saying we're not done, and she's like pushing him and pushing him. She's so awesome. That scene where she says we're not done, where she glows and like holds her hand out to him. She's like a really powerful psychic. Get a little more information about Jay. Lose to the fact that he gets what he needs done, even if it means taking out own family members to try to protect them. You get the idea that it's very heavily hinted that, that he might have been the one that killed Slap to try to fix a problem. And at that dawning of that idea they go racing off the two brothers saw them before they were embracing father landry which that brings it back to circle they were embracing him and they were going to do it so they could torture him and kill him and then leave him for the sun as the panel ends you see father landry in full vampire mode and the two brothers beaten to crap and jv's there and i'm not sure how that's gonna go it does not look good perry and bartlett are taken off to try to intervene it seems like jv tries to clean up the messes and when he cleans up the messes he does it on both sides it sounds like i still really like the artwork that they do for this the really deep contrasting black and i did like seeing how grandfather got put into a wheelchair that was great got his legs blasted off with the shotgun I know you said that uh, I think the last issue of Redneck was your favorite. It is. I think this is by far my favorite issue of it. I think the art here of when they do the psychic stuff that they're doing is fantastic. The way that they portray the two people being able to walk around in the old memories, I love that. It's done really, really well. It reminds me a lot almost like of A Christmas Carol where you can go back and see Christmas Past or whatever and Ebenezer Scrooge can talk to the ghost about it. So you get that art which is just a really creative and inventive way to tell that part of the story. I liked seeing the strength of that girl. That scene where she tells them we're not done and she goes back into his mind is really, really great. And then I also like where she's talking to him about the fear that he has that's blocking off this memory. As she's talking to him and coaxing him out of him, you can see the background panels are being filled in as he's talking. As he's letting down his defenses, she can see more and more of those scenes that are happening until finally he's let down that wall and they're fully in there. I just thought the art in this was spectacular. That it served the story in the way that it tells it and gives you a different perspective. I was blown away by the artwork in here. 
incredibly inventive and creative. I loved it. It answers a lot of questions, has some cool-ass stuff that happens. It's told really creatively. There's good character stuff. There's action. There's violence. There's regret in here, which is a major theme in Redneck. It's good. I gave it four. Oh, I tried. I will give it four and a half. We're not done. I have the Community Challenge, number seven, DC Comic Salvage, written by Marguerite Bennett, penciled by Dan Jurgens, inks by Klaus Jansen. So I remember reading the first one of these, and I remember really not liking it. I understand the process of the story is it's a handoff. This is hilarious. Is this supposed to be hilarious? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. It's supposed to be weird and wrong and just whatever they can do to the story, they have free reign. Okay. This to me reminds me of like Flash Gordon. Yes, very much so. That's exactly what it's remind you of. It, yeah. Okay, because this was fucking hilarious. I was laughing the whole time. And what's even better is because of the Flash Gordon, I got Don't Stop Me Now by Queen stuck in my head. Yes. So that song is a perfect soundtrack for this. So he's being thrown to his death. The Russian bears were throwing him into a nuclear reactor yes. or something. Yeah, the commie bears. <laughs> so he's falling, grabs his helmet. Weird crown thing. That's the helmet of the head communist bear. <laughs> The communist bears, the head bear has psychic control over the entire city, all the material and all the bears that are there. This sounds like a fucking fever dream on acid. (laughs) But when he puts the helmet on, he can control the city. Okay. Metal in particular. I think he was trying to slow his fall is what I think he was trying to do. Because it looks like the metal was stopping his falls. And it's like the metal stopping your fall does not sound like a good idea either. Because that seems like that's still going to hurt even more. But I guess it, it worked. So he falls into other freaking weird world. Oh my god, the dogs have boobs. Yep, it's like an all-female dog group. That first panel that he falls and he like stands up and he sees... Is that his robot friend? Yes. <laughs> that guy has a cybernetic heart. Okay. <laughs> That's powered by nuclear energy. Every issue has a different cast, almost. These dogs are scavengers of the tech. They take all the tech and the weapons to their crazy ship, and they're called the Bulldog Britannics. (laughs) They got a sweet dirigible. (laughs) The dirigible doghouse of Zeppelin. So this immediately also gave me vibes of Up. All right, I could see that. You've seen Up where their dogs are talking. Or Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. No one saw that, so was that enjoyable? It was pretty. No, no, it was not. (laughs) (laughs) Capture him and take him back to a ship with his cyborg robo-buddy. His robo? Yeah, his (laughs) robo. My favorite part is when they're smelling him and they tell him that they can smell at least two female companions on him before. That must have ended badly. The best part is the fucking dogs playing poker. I laughed my ass off when I saw that. (laughs) That was fantastic. And it's exactly like the full setup of the dogs playing poker. So that was perfect. Dogs tell him he looks like his mother and he's he's like, oh, what? I guess she was the one who built the ship. They were saying that it's impervious to any weapon that can be built, like any technology. And then that ice thing comes flying at him and they're like, well, that's not technology. That's magic. So they're all falling, and there was a lady dog. Boobs thing is killing me. I swear to God, the boobs thing was killing me. It has taken a liking to him and saves him as they're falling from the sky. Commandy is a fucking pervert. I swear to God. Where where she does that thing where one person has the parachute, so you have to like fly to them by changing yourself. You're falling in a different trajectory. And then they're holding each other, and she's got all these like sparkles around her. 
showing like love and she's like i've got you and he's like yeah yeah you do there's all sorts of weird shit happening they land with the ice wizards polar bears with their polar parasites which are these weird looking metal cybernetic things that like attach the ice wizards can kind of control you and they infect you and take over your being and they oh god it's so weird they get attacked and several of the dogs get attacked by these weird centipede things half of them get away and they there's several dogs that are getting infected and they're getting chased by more of these nasty centipede things and what the fuck it's like the scene from fucking which aliens is it where she fights the mother the robo suit thing it looks like that where he goes after the fucking dogs that have the centipedes stuck in them that's a kirby machine that he's in kirby jack kirby is known for drawing these kind of fantastic machines and that's this is like an homage to that Oh, that's awesome. Just some very silly dialogue where he's grabbing at the bugs. I'm fresh out of flea baths. I'm pretty good at deworming. It's like all the super cheesiest cheesy lines that you could possibly throw. The hot air layer. The combustible kettle. <laughs> Throwing one-liners at you like faster than you can intake what the hell they're all about. It's very funny. Very cheesy. Oh, you forgot him making out with the dog. Oh, yeah. No, there was some dog making out. Like, he's the blushing damsel, too. Like, so weird. The little laugh afterwards, like, ha, that was one heck of our first kiss. You just made out with a dog. That's bestiality. Flying off now, and one of those little cyber bugs attacks him. Now he he's falling again. Obviously, it will be in the next story. He's always in peril. Yes. This is just weird. It was funny as hell, though. What did you guys think of it? I always feel like Commandy is like, if you took all your friends come over to play action figures with you, but none of you have Uh the same action figures, so you have to make these really fucking weird stories. That's what this feels like to me. This is like My Little Ponies, Barbie, He-Man, Transformers. Yep. And Pound Puppies. All the friends are all trying to tell kind of different stories, you know? So it's all Mm -hmm. disjointed and weird. I actually have all the Commandies. This is probably one of my least favorite ones. I was wondering how Marguerite Bennett was going to do her everyone is a lesbian writing stick that she does, but she managed to work in the lesbian dogs, so. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I saw this and I was like, yeah, this is totally Marguerite Bennett. Yes. (laughs) I thought this was funny. You know, I didn't like the first one. I will go ahead and give this a solid three and a half dog boobs. I will give it to find your parents and save the world. I really like this one. Some of the commandies for me are hit and miss, but this one had the wacky weirdness and the uh, also the dog boobs, as Christina has put it. That's what got me. I'm going to give it three and a half blushing like a damsel commandy. <laughs> So odd. So I'm going to take us over to Marvel for Weapon X number six from Marvel Comics. Weapons of Mutant Destruction, part whatever we're on. Five. Written by Greg Pak, pencils and inks by Mark Borstel and Ibram Roberson, colors by Frank D'Armada. So this is where they're actually assaulting the facility. And the Hulk has rigged them up with these sweet ass glasses they have that have a heads up display of holographic map showing the thing. And then as they explore more and see stuff that'll update the map for them, which I thought was pretty cool. So while they're infiltrating the facility, they start activating all of their defenses, like shutting down elevator shafts and sealing things off. And the team splits up into two parts where the Hulk is going to actually rescue the kid and Sabretooth and Wolverine are going to find Stryker. So you get lots of images of fight scenes that are going on. There's kind of a cool scene where they fight these Terminator robots that look like Lady Deathstrike. And they're having a really hard time 
fighting them because nothing's going their way. And that's when Domino tells them that they've taken her luck gene and put it in them. So she does this cool thing where she jumps up on the wall and runs around to the back of them because they can't dodge the bullets if they can't see them coming, like use their luck that way. So then she shoots them in the back of the head and they can't dodge it. So she kills them. That's actually my favorite part. Yeah, that's pretty cool. (laughs) And then you see there's this vat where they're growing the Alpha and Beta Project H Hulk bot Wolverines that they're making. And Stryker is yelling at the doctor to end the experiment a couple minutes early and it shouldn't make any difference because it's taken days to grow them in these vats. So what's a couple minutes going to make difference for? And the doctor's like, fuck you. I'm not a soldier, so I don't take orders. I'm not a true believer. I don't care that there are mutants here to kill everybody. This is my life's work. I'm going to do the experiment the right way. And Stryker's losing his shit while that's going on. And the Hulk and his team is trying to bust their way into that vat and get there. And she says that her failed experiments should be enough to stop them. So all these zombie hulks come out that are all fucked up looking. Oh, man. They're not looking good. No. Claws coming out the wrong way. Like the shrinky things <laughs> you put in the oven that don't come out right. They're not looking good. So they're fighting them. They're not going to be enough to stop them, but they'll slow them down. They left Domino and they're like, oh, her luck will handle it. And like Wolverine and Sabretooth like leave her. She'll be fine. <laughs> As they're going to get there, the whole time the Hulk, when they're encountering these robots and these clones, he's like, there's no brainwaves. You don't have to hold back. You can kill them. There's no conscience there. And then finally, Wolverine and Sabretooth get down to where Stryker is, and they're attacking and killing the regular guards. And the Hulk is like, you used me. You manipulated me. You got me to lead you into here so you could just start killing innocent people. Well, maybe not innocent people, but people that shouldn't die. So then he uses his Hulk powers to punch his way down through a couple levels and end down in the area with uh, Wolverine and Sabretooth. And there's these really awesome scenes where you see the Hulk just picking people up and throwing Wolverine and Sabretooth around and Lady Deathstrike, they're like ragdolls. I really like that in this series. That's one thing I think they do really well is they show you when Sho loses his shit just how strong he is. So I really like that. And Wolverine is pissed because he says, you had one job to do, kid, and you got distracted from your mission. And because of that, now Domino and Warpath, they are stuck with the beta Hulk that's come out and then in a couple minutes the alpha Hulk is going to come out because Cho is not there and abandoned the mission that evil scientist chick her plan was able to come to fruition I thought it was pretty cool I liked seeing Cho when you get to see hints of how actually powerful he is I, I really liked that what do you guys think of this one? it was alright I thought that I really liked that scene with Domino so I thought that was one of the highlights of it I think it's interesting to show how Cho just always really thinks about collateral damage he's a good Hulk he's a thinking Hulk Hulk. <laughs> and Wolverine and Sabretooth are more focused on the mission getting done. So. I was kind of eh about the last one, so I'm kind of eh about this. I like Cho. Cho is probably one of my favorite, most current characters, but everybody else, I'm kind of like eh over it. I will give it three and a half. Get away from me, you monster. I gave it three. Y'all can kiss later. We weren't gonna kiss. Yeah. We weren't gonna. <laughs> <I> totally were. <laughs> <laughs> they got cat. I will give it two and a half. What the fuck was that disgusting thing at the last page? <laughs> Oh, the Beta H? That was disgusting looking. That is a failed experiment. No, that's successful. No, that looks failed. (laughs) (laughs) That is disgusting. 
It looks all patched up with all sorts of weird shit coming off of it. It is, because it's like half robot. It's like half robot, half Hulk, half Wolverine. It's like a man bear pig. It looks like half Joker, too. The fucked up with Joker. With smile. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And the crazy eye. To space. The space to a galaxy far, far away. Star Wars, Dr. Afra, number 10. Marvel Comics, The Enormous Prophet, part two. Written by Kieran Gillian. Pencils by Kev Walker. Inks by Mark Deering. And colors by Antonio Fabella. I kind of one of the last lines of the scroll is her droid accomplices BT and triple zero start to get restless. <laughs> oh, that's never good. <laughs> Foreshadowing. No. <laughs> So we see Dr. Afra getting super cute. I love her little wig and makeup look. <laughs> little domino mask. I got rumor from Umbrella Academy. I dig her new look. It was very cute. <laughs> I love how everyone in the book sees through her disguise. And she's like, shh, yeah. play along. <laughs> <laughs> she's holding an auction. So there's like all these people from all over the galaxy coming. And she's auctioning off the actual Rur crystal that she had. Not the one that she faked and turned at the Indiana Jones kind of thing. Temple. And she's playing people against them another and taking she's almost like the screaming citadel where that person was meeting one-on-one she's doing like one-on-one meetings in that kind of way and they're like offering things a lot of them are not that great offers and some start pooling their money together like you see things like that happen she has a droid facility where they're fixing things that the wookie shot up as part of our hospitality package because <laughs> they still are having trouble controlling black christine after his infection i'm very curious while they're looking at those droids and she's talking to them there's a panel of triple zero being talked to by bt but that's just in bleeps this time so you don't really know but all he says is oh all right bt let's do that and there's a flame you don't really know exactly what they went and did i don't want to spoil it but i think they're the reason for the end of the book probably there's this weird deal with the izara where they think that they're super badass and like really <laughs> like being the right we'll give you like point zero 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 one percent of our imperial revenue to you and your next 10 descendants and she's like uh-huh this she's like aren't they just like one planet there are two continents on one like they're like super full of themselves i thought that was really funny then there's these next two that are like these redheads with orange visors and they're saying we know who you are like you were saying they see through her disguise we know who you are we know what you did like they have all the information that her dad did on her to take it away and how she got it back and they're trying to blackmail her she just plays it off like she doesn't know who they are and like she has an interesting one-liner as she's walking away if you do that you're gonna regret it kind of thing she sounds like a selfish monster who do anything for credit <laughs> which was really funny and then black Christian sees someone who he owes the wookie life debt but in reverse like he must kill this person on sight she tells bt and triple zero to stop him of course bt is happy to oblige <laughs> and he shoots little <laughs> lightning darts at him it tases the shit out of him she apologizes and they take him away they have to wake him up until so he wakes up and you know he's still not right he goes for her she's like i know i know i interrupted it we'll have to get paid first but you can go after them just not now i like that where she's being choked by him and <laughs> bt is like oh i speak human being choked to death so i can translate for you <laughs> it is quite funny he's basically not having any of it he wookie backhands her and she goes flying in her purple pumps she's like, i guess he's gotten soft in his old age because he didn't kill her <laughs> <laughs> says oh i made my decision i'm arranging everything and everyone's standing around the stopwatchy looking things because that was actually cool i like that i thought it was cool you can't actually read what it is because it's star wars writing but it's like no 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 yeah. and one of them was like hell no <laughs> it was hell no i mean there's a little l yeah, it's pretty funny <laughs> droids are like well we don't want there to be technomancy that's not good for us and and as she's announcing that you came for the immortal roar and then it's him and his like a new robot body he's like now you'll have him in his rage and he's holding lightsabers and has robot drones
drones behind him shooting. So he's coming down and attacking on them. That's not so good. I think BT and Triple Zero went in and rigged him up to be able to break free because they don't want the technology, the technomancy to like undermine droids positions in the world because they're very pro droid. Anti flesh bag. Very much so. <laughs> then they wouldn't want to answer to someone because I feel like we're like, I can still technomancy you up, bitch. You're still a robot. <laughs> Maybe they think they can kill him after he kills everybody else. They feel overconfident they can kill anyone. Yes. <laughs> so far they've been right, pretty much. <laughs> they do a good job. They get the job done. I liked this one. I liked hearing all the different offers. I thought Afro's disguise is hilarious and awesome. It was fun. It was a nice little auction with the interactions between the individual people. It was kind of fun. Their bids and it was a fun story. Her disguise is not really fooling anyone, which I think is hilarious. She looked nice, though. Super hot. <laughs> yeah, she looked pretty. She did look super hot. The last few ones have been kind of, uh, and I feel like this is definitely getting back into what I like about it, so that made me happy. Yeah, this was fun space hijinks and ne'er-do-wells. Yeah, and a nice little cliffhanger at the end. Because, man, Roar was an ass when we ran into him last time. Now he has a body and let loose. I can't imagine how much more of an ass he's going to be. Space jerk. All right, let's rate it up. I'm giving it three and a half. Hot ass Afro. <laughs> <laughs> I will also give it three and a half. Afra's hair and outfit is on point. I will give it three and a half. Guys, I think I've heard of this Dr. Afra. I love that line. <laughs> now on to a book that was almost oh, my pick of the week. So good! So the last time we reviewed this book, the issue number one, Matt and I lost our shit on this book. And it has a really specific <laughs> sense of humor, so I was interested to see what you guys thought. It's fucking awesome! Yeah, it is. <laughs> so this is Shirtless Bear Fighter number two from Image Comics. Written by Jody Lehep and Sebastian Gerner. Pencils and inks by Neil Vendrell. Colors by Mike Spencer. Like I said last time, those are a whole bunch of people that I don't know. I've never heard of before, but they did fucking great on this. They need to make this a actual cartoon. This would fit in really well on Adult Swim. Yes, that's yes. exactly what I'm thinking of. This would be like the best cartoon on Adult Swim. As like the bombs try putting this fire out, Smokey, and they're trying to bomb the bears. <laughs> you furry kraut bastards. <laughs> So Shirtless Bear Fighter, when you read it, you should really be thinking of movies like Rambo and Lethal Weapon. It's very much like an 80s action movie with ridiculous bear things going on. So Shirtless Bear Fighter has been taken down by some super bears that are attacking the city and they're still rampaging through the city. They've been powered up by something. And there's like the scene from the action movie where these kids are playing soccer and like the soccer ball bounces in front of the bears and the little kid runs out. So then the FBI type agents have to attack the bears and there's a kind of a cool scene where the girl does that kind of diving roll where she grabs the kid to get them away. That one is drawn really well. This book is so fucking hilarious and bonkers but it actually does have compelling characters and follows a logical plot. Once you've accepted the premise of this bear menace that they're fighting... (laughs) So after all this, Shirtless Bear Fighter breaks out of the rubble that he's in and goes leaping in the air because they drop these bombs on the city to wipe out the bear menace because it's like nuke the city and yeah, everyone in the city is going to die, but that'll stop the bears where they are. So it's kind of cool. He jumps up in the air and he grabs the two bombs by the vents that they have and lands on the ground with them and starts beating the shit <laughs> out of the panel. bears like they're baseball bats with the bombs. <laughs> the one where he shows them down their throat and they have little X's in their eyes. Yep. <laughs> he's clubbing them with the bombs. And then he shoves them down their throat, like you said, almost like it's like a Warner Brothers cartoon or something. And oh, then he absolutely. kicks them, and there's this like bear kick panel. Bear kick, bear kick. <laughs> there's a huge explosion with the bears. Roadhouse. Yeah. 
<laughs> pretty much they go back to the bear plane because everything shirtless bear fighter has is made out of bears just like batman everything's made out of bats you know same kind of idea so then he flies off to go fight the bears throughout the world and this part is so awesome so it shows you like all these different cities and it starts out i almost want to say fairly normal where he's just in fist fights with bears oh yeah he's just fighting bears and then it's the circus bears that he's fighting this is where they start getting funnier and funnier the ones in new orleans have the beads on them <laughs> yep yes that whole panel is amazing the next two pages oh these are so good and then when he's in new york he's in like a build-a-bear workshop that's attacking him it's like carny bears it's hilarious it looks like care bears gets progressively funnier and funnier so then he's in oh, chicago God. and he's fighting the chicago bears the football team which is hilarious and then my favorite one is then he's in san francisco oh <laughs> san francisco that was yes. the best <laughs> so he's fighting the bears there harry gayman <laughs> That was my favorite. That was my favorite, yes. That was so good. really, really funny. And then he gets to Seattle and it's like the bear apocalypse has happened there that he couldn't <laughs> stop. And you get this flashback where the grizzled government agent is talking to him about how shirtless bear fighters saved his life back in the Nam. <laughs> There's this panda that attacks him out in the woods. What he calls it? An Oso in black and white pajamas. <laughs> The guy and the bear both pull out these knives to start fighting each other. And shirtless bear fighter in Vietnam era military helmet jumps in and they fight. It's pretty funny. And then they get a note from the bears. <laughs> no. Roar, 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 roar. Dash, roar. So the note is just like, roar, 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 which is pretty funny. Translation, we are coming, the bears. <laughs> You find out the bears have been powered by Hellbacon, almost like... Yay, Doctor Strange! Yeah, the Hellbacon from Doctor Strange. Uh. Bear Fighter knows there's only one person who could do that, and that's the Hillbilly Warlock. So he takes off to the woods, and you find the Hillbilly Warlock, who's like this half-pig, half-man warlock, who's conducting these like dark rituals to make psychedelic bacon. Wearing a very similar to Doctor Strange yes. cape. Yes. He can control people with bacon. I think you control most people with bacon. <laughs> He like waves the chunk of bacon in front of shirtless. Again, very much like a Warner Brothers cartoon with like the smell of the bacon goes into his nostrils and he gets like <laughs> take charmed over to the bacon and starts eating it. And his eyes start glowing as he's being controlled. And you find out the bears have been drugged so the bacon gets digested really slowly so they'll find it. And that's when they realize shirtless has walked into a trap. And it gets really <laughs> weird here. I love it. So the... <laughs> I can't it. Matt and I couldn't oh, make our way through the first one without busting out laughing too. So I'm glad to see it has the same thing. <laughs> he uses shirtless bear fighter mind controlled to lather up his pig boobs. His hog teeth. Butter up my hog teats. I'm all itching. <laughs> no one can break the spell. Struggle all you want. And he's like squeezing them. Oh, he's jiggling them. He's doing a jiggle. It's a jiggle. He's doing a titty dance. It's really <laughs> gross. <laughs> and the butter's all melt. Shirtless has a flashback to remember all of the ways that the bears have betrayed him. And that breaks him out of the... It breaks him out of the spell. What's the one where he's totally buck naked and the bear's putting him out and the lady bears with her head in her hands? I really want to know more about that <laughs> one. Shirtless only wears pants because he's dealing with the human world. The whole first issue was him naked. Why is her head head in her hands and he's pointing out to leave. I feel like there's something going on. Because he totally Goldilocks that shit. 
<laughs> yeah, so he breaks free and starts fighting the hillbilly pig warlock and convinces him to tell him what happened. And he tells him that this man with white gloves that smiled a lot came to him and got the bacon and Shirtless knows who that is. That's like his brother that has decided to work with the bears. So Shirtless goes running back to the bear shack that he's made out of bear skins and it's burning and you get that 80s scene where the person's like on their knees and you have the crane shot where they're going like, no! <laughs> and that's where it kind of ends with the devastation that's happened and Shirtless gets clubbed in the head from one of the bears. I thought it was really, really funny. It doesn't disappoint. I think the first issue was way better, but this is still hilarious. This is hilarious. Yeah, it's so good. This always feels like such a welcome break from all the really serious, grim, dark comics that we get. This is just fucking hilarious. What's that one that we read with the two, the Hermanos? Los Sangres de Hermano? That one and this one are just so refreshing. They feel fresh and new and just have a really good vibe to them. It's nice to have a good laugh, a laugh out loud comic. And you will laugh out loud reading this. Oh, yes. And the artwork is just so funny that goes along with it. So good. It doesn't push it too. It still has a full storyline. There's actually, it's not just like slapstick humor. This reminds me a lot of I Hate Fairyland when it was still focused on its main Yes. I will give this four bear kicks. Bear kick. Bear kick. I gave this four and a half butter martins. I guess I'm going to give it four and a half magic bacon. Hell bacon. Hell Hell bacon. bacon. I'm glad I'm not the only one who thought of Doctor Strange when they read that. Like, not only Doctor Strange in general, but I feel like they read that storyline and were like, yep, we're putting in Hell Bacon. Alrighty. So, those were the books we read this week. You can find all kinds of nerd shenanigans, including our other podcasts on original streaming media, Cut the Cord at fourcolornerds.com or our Facebook page. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. You can find the podcast on iTunes and Google Play Music. On Stitcher. On SoundCloud. And on Podcast Addict. Be sure to rate. Review and subscribe and come on back next week for another episode until then keep reading nerds